Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, welcome to, back to another edition of the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you check out... Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. I'm Jake Rokorowski. we got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here as well. Happy New Year. Happy 2017. And we got a jam-packed show coming up. 840 Eric Nem Brew Hoop, uh, and also ESPN Milwaukee will join us talking some Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis fever sweeping the nation. 820 Brian Caribou jumps on, previews Packers. Uh, Brian Carvey's from Cheesehead TV should be a great matchup. Packers, Giants, former Badgers linebacker Jonathan Casillas, team captain for the Giants, is coming back to Wisconsin for that. Should be a fun matchup in the wild card division, you know, wild card game right there. Joining us now in another great place where you can go to get all your Wisconsin Badgers news notes, recruiting, BadgerBlitz.com, our good friend John Veldheis. We're starting to show off hot. John, Happy New Year and. A great win by the Wisconsin Badgers, 24-16, over the previously undefeated Western Michigan Broncos in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic at AT AT&T Stadium on Monday, and quite a way to cap a pretty successful season, if I may say so. Yeah, you know, um, going into the the bowl game, I I don't think I'm going out on a limb and suggesting that – I don't. I don't know how excited that, like the fan base was for this game, just because you know from have, from losing the Big Ten championship game the way that the Badgers did, I think a lot of and being in the the playoff uh, kind of conversation for most of the year uh, after they uh, you know kind of leaped into the top uh, parts of the polls with their win over LSU in, at the start of the season, um, you know ending up in the Cotton Bowl against a uh, against the MAC team, you know probably wasn't what. Uh, people thought the postseason was going to look like for the Badgers, but you know, in the end, this is still a really good. Um, it's a really good bowl game. It sounds like uh, the players and you know support staff and the coaches all had a, a first-rate experience with the Cotton Bowl when they were down there, and you know they came out of uh, Dallas with a, a hard-fought uh, win over, like you said, a previously undefeated team. You know, I, I don't really care what conference you're in. I mean, it, you have to be a pretty good team to go undefeated, uh, and I, I think Western Michigan uh, proved that you know they have what it takes to uh, compete with uh, you know the big boys, so to speak, of the you know the Power Five conferences um it it didn't exactly look like it was going to be a really competitive game if you only watched the first quarter and then turned it off because the badgers kind of ran wild and uh you know moved the ball up and down the field against the broncos but they hung in there for a long time and you know the badgers did a really good job of um you know not kind of letting what happened to them against penn state in the uh the big 10 championship game happen to them where they let you know, the team uh, kind of hang around and work their way back into the game after, uh, you know, taking a couple score lead. I mean, Western Michigan was was, was within striking distance, but uh, the Badgers did what they needed to do to uh, to seal up a win in the fourth quarter. And 
obviously you give a lot of credit to uh, Troy Fumagalli, who is the uh, the offensive uh, MVP in the game, and then uh, Wisconsin's quarterbacks played pretty well too with. Uh, you know, just the one incompletion to Fumagalli, which would have been a touchdown if he had uh, caught the ball that hit him in the hand. <laughs> well, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because this, this class, this senior class, finishes with more wins than any senior class in, in in Badger history. But there was still a little bit of fear of a letdown for this reason alone. You mentioned the Penn State loss and how that might have stuck with them. I think coming in, a lot of the fan base that I talked to felt like this was a no-win situation. If they beat Western Michigan, they're supposed to. If they lose, the Cinderella story continues for the Broncos. So I think that it it did require a little bit more focus to to get through it. And the Badgers did what they've done most of the year, aside from one half uh, in Indianapolis, and and they got the job done. Yeah, and, you know, I think – uh, I remember even going into the the last couple uh, days before the team left for Dallas, um, you know, people in the in the, the, the I guess the, the the media establishment, you know, guys that come in and ask questions were um, you know talking to the players about you know well how did you uh, are you still feeling you know the feeling it from the Penn State loss and you know kept uh, bringing that up and you know it, it seems like in the years that I've been doing this, which is, you know, admittedly not very long, but uh, I think the players are some of the first people to get over a, a loss, you know, like the one that happened in Indianapolis. I mean, like they, they're just kind of conditioned, especially with, you know, the mindset that has been drilled into the, the Wisconsin Badger football team over the last couple of years, you know, spanning different head coaches is that, you know, you just got to take these games week by week. It seems like a, a cliche and, you know, with moving from, um, the, the, I guess the the title game to the bowl game and having more time off uh, between that that leaves the opportunity out there to you know kind of let your guard down a little bit. But it, it always seemed like the the team itself took the game really seriously from the start, um, and uh, I, I don't think there was ever really much of a concern uh, within the program about uh, how the uh, how the team was uh, was going to rebound after uh, obviously a disappointing loss. And I think you know that's a credit to. Uh, the senior class, the outgoing class, uh, like you said, that uh, is leaving with more wins than any other uh, senior class, which is remarkable, you know, considering the amount of uh, coaching upheaval that they had to deal with. Because I, th- I, if I'm, if my thinking is right, I think this is the the last class that um, had some ties to Brett Bielema, and then after that, yeah. it's just Gary Anderson, and then um, you know, obviously Paul Christ recruits. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're hit it around the head there, and that's insane as it is to see how much turnover there there's been. Uh, you know, talking about that with this senior, you know, the senior class, you, you saw, you know, Vince Beagle, like you had seniors play a critical role in in this team, right? And, and obviously, the two seniors and Vince Beagle, Daria Gumbawale, uh, team captains, one of former walk-on. Uh, you had just the contributions of the senior class. And there's only 13 of them that were playing their last collegiate game and exhausting their eligibility there. Uh, obviously right now we're still, you know, TJ Watt is now heading to the NFL draft. We can touch on that in a couple minutes, but just how, you know, how impressive, how much did this senior class mean where, and, and you and I have both covered this team you know, for the majority of the year, you've covered it more on the road games. Uh, just seeing their, the one thing I've been impressed with is just buying into the philosophy of Paul Christ, where it's one game at a time. There's continual improvement that they know that they need to do, but they're coming in, they celebrate the win you know, for a night. And then the next morning, like that Sunday morning, they jump back into it. 
and and uh, you know and just seeing those players jump in and, and just seeing the contributions of the senior class that's what you need uh, to have a successful program and a successful successful team and uh, they in my opinion they exemplified it pretty well this this year yeah and i think the uh, the 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 good part of that for um you i guess the good sign for the the football team moving forward is that you know, they not only did the the senior class and uh, you know the rest of the team really buy into uh Crift and his uh coaching staff's philosophy over the last two years since he uh since he took over for Gary Anderson um but you know that's just it's just a a mentality that i think uh comes naturally to a lot of those guys and you know you're talking about how small of a, a senior class it is this year there's a lot of young talent that uh you know, watched this senior class kind of set the tone for how they, you know, uh, manage you know, the the expectations that uh, were that uh, kind of surrounded the program, or, or I guess lack thereof. Um, you know, and I th- I just think that, and despite not being a very high number of seniors on the team, I think they're going to leave a pretty long-lasting impact on, you know, the rest of this roster, just from, you know, like you were saying, the example that they set on how to, you know, maintain a level head and keep working to get better, uh, no matter if you are, you know, coming off of a, a big unexpected win against um, LSU or a game where you, you know, struggle more than people thought you would against Georgia State or, you know, any of those other types of games that the Badgers were in you know, this season, they, they showed that they could handle themselves um, in a variety of different scenarios. And I think that's going to be good for the, the you know, the, the roster that's left over going into the next couple of years, because they're going to be following some people that set a really good example about, you know, what it means to uh, be a Wisconsin football player and what it takes to succeed uh, at the university, despite a lot of, um, you know, adversity one way or the other. Well, one of those people that, that they'll be trying to replace, Jake t- touched on it, T.J. Watt. Question, two questions, two-part question. Leading up to the Cotton Bowl, what did you believe the chances were of Watt coming back? And how do you think his game and his play translates to the NFL game? I know it's early. The combines haven't happened yet. But just your overall opinion. I mean, I, I can't say that I had any um... – you know, insider knowledge uh, as far as Watt's decision making. My guess was that he was probably at about um, 50 50 uh, as to whether or not he was going to come back. I mean, like, with the season that he had had, um, he was already generating some buzz. Um, and I remember talking to, um, you know, a, a scout or two um, during the season just at some games, and they were just surprised by you know, the, the, the knack for the position that he showed, despite the, the relatively little amount of time that he has spent playing outside linebacker, because, you know, he was a a tight end for his first two seasons or so, um, and had to deal with a lot of injuries. So he wasn't even on the field as a tight end very much. And then obviously they made the switch to him, uh, moving to linebacker and then kind of gradually worked his way into the rotation. And so, you know, really, he was playing really well, despite having played a different position for those first couple of years. And so with the, with the season that he had, and I think, um, you know, not that, not that he's not deserving of, um, you know, the, the NFL, um, you know, kind of looks that he was getting, but I think obviously the, uh, the last name has something to do with it. You know, he, he draws <laughs> a lot of comparisons to uh, his older brother and, you know, and that they, they were both really effective uh, pass rushers that they played, you know, obviously a little bit of different positions, but, you know, they were still both uh, involved 
in getting after the quarterback. And they both, I think, uh, have uh, a very similar uh, attitude and uh, character and work ethic. And I think, you know, from um, the way, you know, J.J. Watt was still a obviously a, a really high NFL pick. But, you know, if you go back in that draft, uh, is there anybody else that you would take before him? I, I suppose the injury issues, uh, you know, is something that you have to think about one way or the other. But, you know, he probably would have been taken higher than where he was taken in that draft. And so I think that TJ has that going for him a little bit. I think he will test well uh, at the combine because he's really athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, you can go back and watch his highlights from uh, this season. I, I think he's a, he's a good pass rusher. He has a, kind of an instinctual feel for playing the position. And you know, despite um, I, I guess not despite, but I, I still think he has room to grow just because of you know how uh, little time he has actually played linebacker. I mean, I think he has the work ethic to keep getting better in that sense. And so I really can't blame him for, uh, you know, kind of capitalizing on this draft stock that he's kind of built up uh, over a full season of playing outside linebacker, especially when he's kind of had those injury issues in the past with his knees, um, where if you think about it, uh, you know, nobody wants to think about, you know, um, coming back for your senior season just to get hurt. Um, And I think at this point in time, it was definitely the right decision for him to go. We're here with John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at John Veldheis. And you know, looking uh, just as a uh, going forth with, you know, I know Ryan Ramchek's another one to talk about with the draft, and I mean, he hasn't officially said, and you know, the, he confirmed the reports of his hip injury, the what he referred to as an impingement on his hip and, and with the labrum. Uh, and, and, you know, that's talking about another player that, I mean, and you're taking a look at all the mock drafts right now, and his story is it's just a, a rapid ascent of you know, a player that went to Winona State, then went up, then decided to leave, head back to his hometown, jump back on with Division Three Wisconsin-Stevens Point, all-conference two years there, then heads up to Wisconsin, has to sit out a year, comes back, voila, you know, All-American consensus, first-team All-Big Ten, uh, it, it, that's a remarkable story there. And, I mean, I, in your opinion, I mean, it, is it is it pretty much a foregone conclusion based off of that first-round grade that Jason Galloway reported a week ago that he's gone to? And, and who do you think will replace him heading into 2017? So the, the only thing that I think prevents it from being a foregone conclusion is the hip surgery, like you mentioned. Um, there's I think there's two elements to it since he's – it's not a – it's not a, a question of if he needs it, but you know how long he uh, is going to need to recover. Um, I, I get I would be surprised if he did not um, you know leave for the NFL even with uh, the hip injury, the hip surgery. Um, I, I think in one sense it's disappointing um, for I, I guess an interested observer because I always thought that he would test extremely well at the combine. Um, and so if he wasn't a first, if he wasn't a first round pick, you know, after this season, uh, if he was kind of like a, a late first, you know, a borderline second round guy, I thought he would become a first round pick after the combine because he's really athletic. Uh, I thought, I thought that he would, you know, kind of test off the charts and, uh, you know, he has this excellent game tape um, to point to, to build off of. Um, so the hip injury uh, and the, the subsequent recovery, 
if it is four months, that kind of takes the combine and personal workouts and things like that off the table. And so he, you know, 14 games worth of, you know, basically excellent film um, to point to. And so that's something where, you know, he's, he's kind of missing out on a chance to, um, you know, I guess improve his draft stock by not being able to work out. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you have 14 games of excellent tape, I mean, like what else is there to improve? If he's already gotten a first round grade, you you can still um, do personal meetings with teams and, you know, do interviews with them and things like that. So he has other ways to, you know, kind of show them, um, you know, what he, what he's about as a guy and a football player. But, you know, from the, uh, the, from the actual on field part of it, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, I guess 50, 50 in that, you know, for one, you don't really get a chance to go out and improve your draft stock, but at the same time, if you're injured, you can't, you know, underwhelm people at the combine. If you, you know, don't test off the charts, like people are like me, were expecting him to. So, yeah, I, I, like I said, before I started going off on this long uh, soliloquy, um, <laughs> I, I, I would be, I would be very surprised if he returned to Wisconsin for his senior season. Um, I think he, has all the reason in the world to go. Um, and the only question is uh, if he, uh, if, you know, he has like a, a last minute change of heart, um, you know, after having the surgery, but, you know, it's kind of like TJ Watt. I just, I think, you know, nobody would blame him for going after the season he's had. It, it certainly makes for a very interesting story, you know, like you were touching on before and that, you know, this guy comes out of nowhere and is an all American, uh, you know, ends up being a first round pick, but, you know, people uh, before he got onto the field uh, for the Badgers, when he was still, you know, doing that redshirt season, having to sit out after the transfer, people there were very high expectations for him. Um, I don't think uh, people were expecting him to be, you know, like you're mentioning, an, an All-American and a, and a first-round pick after one season at the Division One level. But he certainly lived up to the expectations that I had heard uh, from people going into the season before he, you know, took his first snap with the Badgers in an actual game. You know. <clears throat> Here's a bigger picture question off off the Badgers for a moment, but uh, a great regular season, I thought, for the Big Ten, one of the best regular seasons in the last decade. Um, and then the bowl season started. Uh, Big Ten schools went three and seven. Uh, only two coaches will return to their posts that actually won a bowl game for the Big Ten with the turmoil in, in Minnesota. Your thoughts on the, on the bowl season? I know Michigan had some injuries. I know Penn State had – uh, uh, instant classic that they could have won in a Rose Bowl. So, know that there wasn't a complete embarrassment, aside maybe from Ohio State, which I didn't expect that coming. But what were your overall uh, impressions of the, the postseason for the Big Ten? You know, I, I know that people really like to, uh, you know, kind of grade um, conference strength by uh, a, a conference's record in bowl games. Um, but I, I guess I'm not as big of a big of a fan of that. I mean, like it, it at the end of the day, um, it's, it, it's one game, you know, you're playing a really, you know, generally a, a team that matches up pretty well against you as far as like talent level goes. Um, and it's like you were mentioning earlier, some of those games are, are kind of coin flips where it's like, okay, if they played this, if they played, if they played this, you know, the Rose bowl, uh, 10 times, you know, I honestly seems like Penn state's going to win five USC is going to win five. And so, you know, I, I think you could say the same thing for uh, for the Orange Bowl with uh, with Michigan, um, and so you know with these bowl games, you know there, there's so many different things that uh, that affect them, like injuries and you know people um, deciding to sit out or 
you know, coaching changes that, you know, it, and it's such a small sample size that I, I guess I don't take a whole lot of stock into like a, a conference's overall record. I think, you know, in like what you were mentioning, a game like uh, Ohio State had, you can, pr- you know, probably draw some, you know, more specific conclusions about the individual team as far as, you know, if there are changes that need to be made or, you know, what they need to expect uh, moving forward. But, you know, overall, uh, I, I still think the Big Ten was one of the better conferences this season. And, you know, I, if I if I recall correctly, it, it was three and six seven their record yep. in bowl games uh so i yep. mean if you take those coin flip games uh you know and uh, you know give uh, penn state the rose bowl give uh, michigan the orange bowl that gets you to five and five um i, I don't know i mean it's just it's some of these games are you know so evenly matched and highly contested that it, it's uh, it's tough to take a small sample size like that and really extrapolate it. I, I prefer to look at you know the I guess the twelve game and, and then you know adding in the, the conference title game. It's you know football is not a not a, a sport where there is a lot of whole, uh, great sample size in general. Uh, I, I still think the Big Ten was one of the better conferences this year. John Veldheis, BadgerBlitz.com. Got about another minute. Uh, two quick questions before. We let you go. Actually, no, we'll make it one. Who you got on the championship game, uh, Alabama or Clemson? Alabama. Easy. Easy? You don't, you don't think Clemson will make it? You don't think they'll, they'll uh, I be mean, able like, to? I, I, think, I think Clemson is pretty good, but, I mean, like, I, I have learned over the last, you know, it seems like decade and a half um, to, uh, to not – bet against Alabama in a national title game. Um, and I feel like uh, Jason Galloway would make fun of me forever if I picked against Alabama <laughs> and uh, they still won. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. John, it's always great having you on, my friend. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking to hopefully get you back on coming up. National Signing Day, amazingly, uh, that, you know, this, the season's almost over. National Signing Day is coming back on. We'd love to have you back on coming up in about a month. Never a dull moment, anytime. Excellent. Thanks, John. John Veldheis, BadgerBlitz.com. We're going to come back. Brian Caribou, CheeseheadTV.com, talking some Packers and playoffs in the NFL. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter.
Welcome back, everybody. Kilbasta King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Big thanks to John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Make sure you guys follow him at John Veldheis. And now coming back, the host of Railbird Central, good friend of the show. We've had him on many times, uh, Brian Caravu. Brian, how are you? Happy 2017 and quite a lot of football coming ahead uh, in the next couple of weeks. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, excited to get the NFL playoffs underway. Brian, let's let's start with the Packers because I I remember it well. We were doing this show right after they they dropped the four and six the Green Bay Packers, and I declared them done. I declared Mike McCarthy done. And let me, I, I think you might already know this. Not because I think McCarthy's a bad coach. I just thought that maybe his message had gotten stale, and there was going to be some huge. Uh, overhaul in this organization. The next day, Aaron Rodgers says we're going to run the table. They run the table. So in your opinion, other than the obvious, because everybody said Packers won six in a row because Aaron Rodgers was a better version of Aaron Rodgers than in the first 10 weeks, but what were some of the other factors that led to the 6-0 and finish and the division championship and hosting a playoff game here as we get underway with the postseason? Yeah, I I really think the offense as a whole and and Aaron Rodgers was a huge part of it, but I think everybody else kind of really pulled their weight there. Um, Everybody in the receiving core got healthy until Randall Cobb at the very end. But, I mean, for such a while there, you had Cobb out there. You had a Jordy Nelson who just got healthier as the season went along. You had Devontae Adams. He was kind of banged up last year. Um, and then you had Jared Cook. He came back from injury. So you had all those guys out there. You know, when all those four receivers are out on the field, boy, that's that is really tough for an opponent to defend. So those guys all played really well for the most part. And then you know, Ty Montgomery just kept getting better as a running back. Aaron Rapkowski kept getting better. Pardon me, as a young fullback. And so. I mean, you start adding up the sum of the parts here, and everybody on offense was really pulling their weight. And that's, you know, I'm just talking about skill position players. That's not even to mention the offensive line, who is probably the best pass-blocking unit in the entire NFL, or at least in the top two or three. Um, so that that was really a fantastic job there, too. And, Brian, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, going in, in now, the, the NFL playoffs, the just what you're seeing with the Packers, obviously hosting the Giants Sunday afternoon. Uh, what's the key matchups, in your opinion? Is it is it pretty much, I mean, honestly, you're talking about a depleted Packers secondary, right, where uh, they assigned Herb Waters from the practice squad, a converted wide receiver from, from the U, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now he's over at cornerback. Uh, what are the big matchups that you're seeing? Is it the secondary versus the Giants wide receivers? Is it Jared Cook taking on someone from, you know, uh, the, the linebackers and the safeties for the Giants? What are some of the key matchups you have heading into Sunday's game? Yeah, I think absolutely the place to look is the Giants wide receivers versus the Packers secondary that – you know, looked uh, just in shambles there at the end of the regular season finale, week 17 against Detroit, 
when Quinn Rollins suffers the concussion. Demarius Randall has to come out of the game with a new knee injury. McIntyre Dorleant, the rookie, leaves with a knee injury of their own, and you're thinking, oh, my God, there's not any, even anybody left here. Uh, the prognosis is looking better than expected, um, just from the standpoint that Demarius Randall is back to a full participant in practice this week, and I think that's key. If he can get through the entire game for the Green Bay Packers, they're going to be in decent enough shape. So they will have Randall and Gunter as your perimeter cornerbacks. They'll have Hyde as the slot cornerback. And then you've got, you know, uh, your safety combination, uh, Clinton Dix, Morgan Burnett, and probably have Kentrell Bryce playing a little bit there. If As long as those six guys there are, are healthy and can get through the game, I think the Packers will be okay. Uh, not to say that they won't give up something to the, the New York Giants, who have a very dangerous receiving core uh, with Victor Cruz, with Odell Beckham, with Sterling Shepard, and Eli Manning, who can be dangerous, but also Eli Manning, who will probably throw – uh, a foolish pass or two during the game at some point as well. And the Packers hopefully just going to have to take advantage of that one or two foolish passes. And uh, if they can, that would really be a benefit to the team as a whole. Well, Brian, something interesting, you touched on a few things there. Obviously recent history with the Giants in the postseason hasn't been good for the Packers, including costing me my only chance at a Super Bowl. Um <laughs> I won't go back into, into the add-ons of that. But this year, uh, the Giants have struggled offensively, even though they shouldn't. And and I think part of that is Eli Manning. What do you think the, the, the reason for the Giants' struggles are offensively? And is Eli Manning, how do I put this, the worst two-time Super Bowl champion you've ever seen? I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but to be a two-time Super Bowl champion and yet to have some of the games he has throughout his career – a little bit of a head-scratcher sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I'm not going to sit here and say I sit here and watch a lot of Giants football, but, you know, from the, the highlights that I see in the occasional game that I watch, you know, Eli Manning is not Peyton. Um, he, he's a decent quarterback. You just never put him in that top tier of quarterbacks in the NFL that, that Aaron Rodgers is in, that Peyton was in, that Tom Brady is in. Um, you know, he's kind of always perpetually in that second tier, if that. Um, you know, he's he's been he's done enough to get the job done, and he's gotten the job done in Lambeau Field in the playoffs before, so he's got that going for him, and he's got the very good receiving core going for him. So that's that's always a concern. It's just a matter: can they outscore Aaron Rodgers? And I'm not sure they'll be able to. The way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now and has been playing since midseason, really for most of the season, Aaron Rodgers probably had three stinkers of games the whole year. Um, and, and other than that, I, I mean, he's been uh, – there are games where maybe he was just average, but, I mean, you, you can get by with that. Everybody's going to be that once in a while. And, and I just don't think the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now that Eli Manning will be able to outscore him probably. Here's Brian Carvu, host of uh, one of the great podcasts out there. And you've had some – you've had quite a, quite a few guests on there recently, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, uh, on the Railbird Central podcast and – 
just, you know, what are, in terms of just uh, how do you think this game is going to play out? How do you feel with the Packers uh, and, and Giants, your score prediction for the game, and, and what ultimately decides, decides it uh, and who heads on to the divisional round coming up? Yeah, you know, I I haven't even really thought about the score till now, but just in my mind, uh, kind of thinking about it today as I I'm preparing for my own podcast tomorrow, where I'll give my prediction. <laughs> um, but it, you know, just thinking in my head, I'm like, I was very kind of encouraged by the injury report this week. It it, it seems so dire at the time last week when. Randall drops out, Brian Balaga drops out, Joe Thomas drops out. All three of those guys have been practicing this week, look like they're going to play. It could have just been a case, you know, especially in the case of like Brian Balaga, you know, he kind of, he came off the field. He wasn't really limping. It's just like, they were like, let's just be cautious with this and, and, you know, make sure he's available for the playoffs. And I think that's what that was there. And, and he's going to play, and, and I think, you know, by Randall Cobb now sitting out the last two games, I think he's going to be back. So I've been encouraged this week, just as, just as long as they don't incur any new ones, especially in the secondary. I think the Packers will do enough to get the job done on defense, and like I said, I, I just can't see the, the Giants outscoring the Packers' offense the way they've been playing lately. You know, uh, the, the Packers' offense did so well in Chicago, what was that three weeks ago when it was bitterly cold? Um, that game was around zero degrees, and that was the game Ty Montgomery had his best game of his career as a running back. And, and you know, I think uh, maybe that happens again. Um, and, and if the running game is clicking and the pack, passer, passing game is clicking for the Packers, I see them winning. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head here, I, I like I said, I haven't even thought of a score yet. You know, I can see him scoring four touchdowns to the Giants three, something like that, 28-21. Maybe I'll change it tomorrow during my own podcast, but that's what I'll go for right now. Brian, looking ahead, beyond the playoffs, beyond the end of the season, do you see any scenario where Julius Peppers is back next year I, I've kicked around the idea that if, if if the money was right, if he took a pay cut, you know, being as effective as he's been at playing with the amount of snaps, but with his age and with his money, what, what's your thoughts? Is there any chance that Peppers is back for the for one more year? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Um, maybe if the Packers win the Super Bowl, maybe he'll ride off into the sunset. But uh, if that doesn't happen. Um, boy, I would think there's still something left in the tank there, perhaps, um, for, for maybe one more year. Um, and, and certainly, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl, that might only encourage them to take kind of one last shot and, and kind of let everybody know this is going to be the final year. And maybe that motivates him and his teammates around him to kind of win one for him. Um, I could see that happening where maybe he's got one more in him. Um, we'll see what he's got to say after the season, but uh, I, I guess that's the way I would lean right now. One more year, perhaps. With that, when you have uh, the way they use Julius Pepper, Peppers and just the just Clay Matthews and the linebacker position at all, and 
maybe this heads into some other talk too, because I know, like I said, I love the tweets that you have when it comes to when you do your bowl previews, what, what, how it pertains to certain upperclassmen that are coming out for the NFL draft, regardless if they're seniors or juniors. Uh, TJ Watt obviously declared a couple of days ago, and you know I've seen some things. Mel Kiper talking about him being a top 10, you know, being like what, with number 10 overall outside linebacker, uh, WalterFootball.com has him as the number four, uh, you know, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report has him as TJ Watt in terms of his stature, his, uh, you know, just what the intangibles and what he brings to, to you know, each game. Um, and also where do you see him? Like what teams could the Packers possibly be one of them where he might show up and be, you know, and, and be needed right away? Yeah, um, I said when uh, I do my bowl previews, <clears throat> pardon me, that T.J. Watt, to me, could be a late first-round pick. I certainly wouldn't pick him early in the NFL draft, um, but, um, you know, like a top 15 or anything like that. But if you're in the back end of the first round, I would not be afraid, if I was an NFL team, to invest that into him, comparing him to his brother, J.J., For whatever reason, the Watts are kind of late bloomers. They both kind of broke out in their junior season in college, and it is remarkably similar the kind of path that that TJ is following in JJ's footsteps that way. And, uh, boy, I I think if if you look at these guys who are analyzing players, if they have T.J. Watt and Vince Beagle, you know, just comparing those two guys who really pretty much play the same position, if they've got them even or if they've got Vince Beagle ahead, I I don't put a whole lot of stock into that analysis because T.J. Watt, to me, is head and shoulders better than Vince Beagle from the standpoint Vince Beagle's an okay pass rusher, but he does not offer the run-stuffing ability. So I think T.J. Watt is a three-down player in the NFL, really, really good in both phases of the game, that he can be out there on the line of scrimmage, stuff the run, and still be out there and and doing a really good job uh, rushing the passer, as we just saw in the Cotton Bowl, did a pretty good job in that game. Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's really good. Um, I, I don't. I hesitate to compare him to his brother yet, just because of how well he blossomed in the NFL, and he's certainly not at his brother's size quite yet. But maybe that body fills out like his brother did. You know, once he got into the pros and starts hitting in the NFL weight room and and starts you know eating like pro and things like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think he's he's. He's really good. If I were the Green Bay Packers, I would consider it if I were them from what I've seen right now, uh, as long as there's nothing, uh, anything that we don't know about that might be hidden. You know, I'm just, I don't even want to speculate. But, you know, just as long as there are no skeletons in the closet there that I'm not aware of. So, um, yeah, uh, first round material to me. Brian, real quick, as we look at those first round of games, the good news for the Packers is, uh, well, there's a lot of good news, but going into their games, they'll know who their second-round opponent will be because Detroit and Seattle play on on Saturday. That game's got a little bit of intrigue. Unfortunately, just a lot of disappointment in my mind on the AFC side for the first round because I was really expecting some good things out of Oakland, 
They lost their quarterback. Pittsburgh, Miami doesn't really excite me. To me, all the excitement in in round one seems to be on the NFC side, uh, at least this week. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Very interesting how it was just uh, week 17 of the regular season where the Packers are begging for the New York Giants to win uh, because that was the game in which they knocked Washington out of the playoff picture. And by virtue of doing that, before the Packers even played their game, they knew they qualified for the playoffs. They just didn't know whether they'd win the NFC North or what seed they would be. Uh, so now they turn around and got to, you know, they were Packers fans were cheering for the Giants, and now they got to turn around and, and root against them. And, and the, it's kind of the opposite situation. You kind of almost want, you know, last week you're playing the Lions yeah. if you're the Green yeah. Bay Packers, and you want to beat them and win the NFC North. Now you kind of want the Lions to turn around and win because then they would have to go to Dallas instead of the Packers in, in the divisional <laughs> round. So there's a lot of interesting little storylines right there to follow uh, this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. And Brian, real quick before we let you go, when it uh, who do you have on for tomorrow's show uh, and, and how can people reach you? Uh, we got a guest to be determined tomorrow morning. I'm keeping it a secret, um, but uh, then revealing tomorrow morning. It's nothing big, uh, but uh, there's just some things I got to confirm yet with our guests. So, um, but uh, yeah, 8:30 a.m. Central Time every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at CheeseheadTV.com. That's a live edition of the show, but it's podcasted and on demand every day uh, at CheeseheadTV.com and you know any uh, whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, uh, you can find it. Uh, the Railbird Central Podcast. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk soon. Uh, we'll definitely talk during the NFL draft season, uh, approaching combines, pro days. I love it. I'll be down for UW's pro day. Hopefully we'll see you down there too, my friend. Take care and uh, enjoy the copious amounts of playoff football this weekend, my friend. <laughs> you too, guys. Thanks a lot. See you later. Brian Caribou, Cheesehead TV, Railbird Central. Make sure you guys check it out tomorrow night. And always, uh, take uh, actually no. Let's go straight into this now, Scotty. We got uh, we go straight from exciting football. We've, we've a lot of excitement this week, right? You have the simple fact that uh, the Badgers starting off. Or actually, let's start off Packers uh, on you know uh, winning, uh, defeating the Detroit uh, Lions. Next, you know, was it the next day thereafter? Wisconsin Badgers take home the Cotton Bowl. And last night, now I will admit, I have not had a lot of time to sit down and with all the writing we do at Bucky's fifth quarter and all the craziness that's starting off the new year uh, with, with Watt declaring and whatnot, uh, I finally had a chance to sit down to watch some Milwaukee Bucks basketball. And what a time to watch in Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks, against Carmelo Anthony, uh, Derek Rose, you know, and, 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 and the whole Knicks organization there, Giannis. And then, uh, you know, Giannis just game winning shot uh, and crazy win for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know they're only 34 games into the season out of 82. They're two games over uh, and right now sitting, I believe, in the, in the sixth seed. Uh, and it's a, uh, but still, an exciting win to talk about Giannis, who's on a Sports Illustrated co- cover and getting all this national attention. Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee and does the Lockdown Bucks podcast. Eric, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing Eric, wonderful. we're doing great. Uh, it's a great time to be watching the Bucks. And 
you know, I think buried in that, uh, the lead got buried a little bit there by Jake when he was setting it up because he mentioned he hasn't had much chance to watch the Bucks. Unfortunately, it seems like the rest of America is catching <laughs> Buck fever before the city of Milwaukee is, and I think that's a huge mistake for the people that live in the state. Bucks are playing good ball right now. Yeah, it's been interesting. I know for a while now, uh, at the start of the season, I was kind of campaigning like, hey, the Bucks are pretty much giving away tickets. I should come down. Giannis is a great basketball player. He's one of the most exciting players in the league. This is in a situation where I need a marquee matchup to come down to the center. You have the most exciting player in the league on your team. Uh, and I've been kind of trying to campaign for that on Twitter. And on Monday against the Thunder, it was just a huge crowd. And I, I guess it was probably – some of the holiday and people have off and kind of be able to just make that a full sports day with the Badgers before that and the, the Bucks in the evening. But that, that night felt like a full on Bucks crowd. It was loud. It was rowdy. The Bucks took it to Oklahoma city, 1984 and beat them there. Honest was Russell Westbrook. And it, it just kind of all building And Tuesday. The SI cover comes out with the story from Lee Jenkins and, now, Giannis game one in the middle of basketball, you couldn't get it. You, you couldn't get it. Three days in a row, something so big happened to the Milwaukee Now, this is just insane when you have the simple fact that, uh, now, I know, we'll, we'll get to it, too, uh, you know, talking about the, the kick. I, we just saw, Eric, that the uh, ESPN, I believe, is reporting it. Uh, just the uh, Cavaliers and the Hawks are in discussions to uh, send Kyle Korver to Cleveland. Uh, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll discuss that in a little bit. But just, uh, what have you seen? Like I said, I haven't had a chance to really dive deep into the Bucks this season really yet. I'm gonna actually have a chance to do this that now now that the Badger season for football is over. Just what have been some of the, the themes and just some of uh, overall? Just what are you seeing from this team? Like I said, it's 18 and 16. They're number six. They're, you know, they're literally a game from the four seed from the Charlotte Hornets. They're also, uh, you're looking at it two games away from being out of the playoff picture. There's still plenty of time, uh, and they still have yet to get Chris Middleton back. But what is, what tendencies are you seeing from this team uh, heading into 2017? I'm not going to think this answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Middleton this year and Middleton was back last year and the leap that Giannis has taken is just simply incredible. He turned into barely carrying this team to wins right now. And when you look at him, four points and nine rebounds, six assists, two large steals, he's the only guy in the league leading his team in every major statistic category. And it no matter what you want to do, if you go on Twitter and Giannis, you're going to find a million in different stats for why this is incredible, to be honest. Uh, it's the best age 22 season of all time. He's one of the most valuable players on court. RPM is great. PR is great. No matter what statistic you want to find, uh, you want to talk about highlights, you about the eye test, he is making an impact on games. And he's not just doing it offensively. He's got that steal, two steals in the box game. And when you look at all this put together, the the Bucks right now are efficiency wise, they're a top ten defensive team and offensive. And, and as far as total net rating goes, they're eight in the league, 
So they're 18 and 16 this season, but the numbers would tell you they're even better than that, uh, which is kind of a crazy thing to wrap your head around when uh, I know for me, someone who pays a lot of attention to team, year three, 35 wins somewhere in there. And made, just because of the growth of Giannis Atetokounmpo, they've gone leaps and bounds above that. You know, I was going to ask you, Chris, about Greg Monroe, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But you talk about Giannis, and, and you kind of got me thinking a little bit, because Monday's game, you had Westbrook versus Giannis. Now, I believe three years from now, these are going to be the two guys that are considered maybe the top two players in the league. And maybe you think I'm overstepping, but I think these two guys right there are the future of the NBA. You know, you're, you're, you're right on. Um, I, I know the conversation we've had on Locked on Bucks, uh, where we talk Bucks every day, um, this conversation I've had some of my coworkers in walk, but at the start of the season, we're trying to figure out how to project forward this season. And it was like, okay, well, maybe he could be, maybe he could be an all-star this year. And then about a couple weeks into the season, it was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's more than that. And a month in the season, it was, oh, he's an all-star starter. And in the last month, in the month of December, they had a really tough schedule. Still kept on still kept winning Giannis still kept putting up. he's for 12.13 straight games it's first time so he he just keeps performing they keep performing and I think we're at a point where he's certainly a top player in the league this year and I'm willing to say he's a top five player in this season not projecting forward not Years. Right now, this he's top for sure, and I can make a serious argument that he's a top five NBA player this season. Here with Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee uh, and the Lockdown Bucks podcast. So, can we talk about Malcolm Brogdon for a little bit? Second round pick this year. Uh, really popping out huge and making an impact early on and Obviously, I mean, I was second round picks. It's one thing where hit or miss, I guess, but he's made quite the impact early on in his NBA career. He's a player, man. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. And it, it's kind of interesting with the NBA and the NBA so much on potential. There's thinking about potential, thinking about upside. And the NBA drafts. So long. I think some of the latest mock year, it's 15 or 19 guys under the age of 19 locked in the first round right now. It's huge young, and it makes sense. Okay, you're trying to home run with these picks. You want a guy that you can get development, and you can get to see how players. And what happens in the NBA so often, I think older guys kind of sink down, their values deflated. It can't get much better. And I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon is, has a lot of potential, but he's quite good right now. And as a guy that played five years of college basketball, a guy that's older, has a master's degree, he just understands the game. And that was nice at the start of the season, just to sit in and be a backup and play some minutes and survive. And then a couple weeks into the season, he got this, this insane chemistry. I, I know I, I joked about it with him after one of the games that I, I said, there's got to be something telepathic between him and Grinrow because those two on the Bucks bench unit, if, if they're, if 
Giannis is the major story for why this Bucks team is good. It's the bench unit as the number two story. And it's Monroe and Brogdon uh, together that have really been playing well. And I guess it's because they're two similar players where they're not overwhelmingly out of luck. They're, they're not going to blow you away with it. They just think the game at a higher level than most. I mean, they them hit each other for a back or pass, a little back. There's just the American guys, and they just get each other. And it's kind of, it's, for me, that's been the most fun thing this season. Obviously, seeing a guy like on a top five, top ten. That's always going to be awesome. But for, for the basketball nerd, again, to see two guys, I don't think the rest of the, the guys on the floor, I don't think opponents, and just kind of have an end game just between them. It's just been really awesome to watch. That, now that leads into my Greg Monroe question. I, first of all, I think Jason Kidd's done a better job coaching this team this year than he did last year. He still has some weird substitution things that are weird. But, but beyond that, I think Greg Monroe has settled into a role. It wasn't uh, but a few months ago where people were willing to give him away for some athletic tape and, and an air pump. And, uh, yeah. I, I I, and I didn't understand that because – they said, you know, the knock on him was, well, he didn't play defense. That was the knock on him when they signed him. So I don't know what they were expecting from Greg Monroe, but I think he settled into this role off the bench where he's been a key contributor, and, and he looks like the player they were hoping that they had signed last year, but this year he's doing it as a reserve. Yeah, he's been fantastic. It's tough to say anything about Greg Monroe. And when you kind of think of it, I did think he should struggled to get the defensive system. He struggled to figure out make an impact. And like you said, going into the team, you knew that that's what going to be. You know, going to be able to be insane rotations. And you're going to put them in some tough So it's a struggle last year. But overall, I know that this is a huge success. I know I've, I've read people start cracking jokes to guys about shaping life for this upcoming Brewers season. Uh, but really, you look at Greg, oh, he's shaping He's running the floor like he never before. And defensively, he's been great. He, this season, he's leading the league. Or he's leading centers in steals per 36 minutes. And per 36 minutes, he's over two steals per game, or two steals per 36 minutes. When he comes on the floor, he's very active with his hands. Uh, he's I'd say he's considered comfortable. He, he he knows what his role is. He understands that, hey, I need to bring it for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it may be off the bench. I need to bring it for that time. And and he's kind of he's gotten comfortable in that role. He's done, you know, and he's been open for the butt off the bench. And the, I don't think there's a lot of – one, there's not a lot of guys that say that about a league period the bench. And two, there's definitely a lot of post guys you can set about. And it's starting to kind of become in vogue a little bit with a guy like Anahan from Oklahoma City. He doesn't play, play a lot of defense there. He's an offensive guy that plays hard for 20 minutes, but Greg Monroe kind of that same thing, and he's just been great for the Bucks this year. Excellent. Eric, you're breaking up just a little bit there uh, with with the connection over there, uh, but, but uh, we'll keep rolling with it over here. On our end, uh, Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee here talking some Milwaukee Bucks. 
And Eric, uh, just uh, before we let you go, uh, what's coming up in your coming up ahead uh, for the Bucks uh, in the next couple of weeks? And, and what are you guys uh, doing over on the Lockdown Bucks podcast and over at ESPN Milwaukee? Um, every day bringing them Bucks, so it's a network exciting for NBA team has on, and we come on, we talk Bucks for 30 minutes every day. So as soon as I finish up with them go record locked up for uh for the morning to get that out to the people Zoom. hey eric you're breaking up again buddy <laughs> oh, oh no um i could oh. try to call you all or do you just want to yeah, feel free to give us a, a quick call back if that if that works for you obviously if you're if you're not just busy Sounds good, man. Oh, yeah, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Happened, yeah, uh, it, was, it, it was it was okay for a while, and it just it's too bad because it, it, some really great answers to some some questions. I, I'll tell you what, it's a good time. You're getting in a, if you're becoming a Bucks fan, or if you're rediscovering the Bucks, I think you're getting in on the ground floor. To and again, I think the. The uh, karma, the sports karma, smiling on them as they get ready to move into a new building with a team that's going to be young and exciting, and uh, uh, with you know the future literally right ahead of them. So, absolutely, and I'm I'm really uh, intrigued by the simple fact of uh, just the way uh, the, the Bucks there are and the way they're building up and, and just seeing the construction too. I think we got Eric back on. Uh, Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. Uh, but, you know, coming back to it, too, yeah, it was, you're kind of breaking up a little bit, but we could hear you pretty well. And then uh, just, you know, the beauty of Skype sometimes, man. Uh, I know all that. It'll goes, happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just kind of heading back and uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we heard the full answer. Uh, Scott, about Greg Monroe. And uh, you talked about Mel, you know, Malcolm sure. Brogdon. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to Greg Monroe and just what is he providing uh, this year? You know, as the reserve. Uh, but you know, and, and but he's doing quite a you know he did great last night against the Knicks and pulling off that streak of points uh, in the set one part of the second half. But what, what is what is he doing well this year, or is he doing anything else that's different from what he was doing last year? Um, I think he's been a bit more focused defensively, and maybe that's. Uh, that's a way to dismiss what he did last year. I think he was focused defensively last year. The Bucks just run a confusing defensive scheme, and he's a little bit lead-footed, and it, it can be kind of tough to figure out that scheme in your first year. And this year he gets it a lot better. He understands it. And you mentioned the block. He's been getting steals like crazy this year. He's, he's leading all centers in the NBA in steals per 36 minutes. And he, he just seems to, whenever he's out on the floor, his hands are very active. Uh, he's getting in passing lanes. Uh, when he's trapping pick and rolls, he's, he's stripping point guards, which if you saw Greg Monroe play defense last year, is an insane thing to say. You, you would never imagine that that would be what Greg Monroe would bring to the table uh, this season. So the defense has been very much improved. And offensively, he's been a much more willing passer. I, I think last year he felt a lot of the pressure of that big free agent, big free agent contract of just kind of being the man for the first time, if that makes sense. He he had to try to be that guy, and well, he 
he put a lot of pressure on himself, and he kept trying to shoot, and now he's willing to kick out, and if the double team comes, he'll make the pass. And I wrote about it about a month ago, maybe even a month and a half ago. He's playing the best basketball of his life, and, and, and it's not particularly close. His assists are way up, his steals are way up, his rebounds are up, his points are up. Per minute, on a permanent basis, he's just filling the stat sheet up, and he's just been great for this Bucks team. And then, uh, you know, coming up to uh, Eric, uh, we're here with Eric Dame, ESPN Milwaukee, uh, and your answer started kind of, <laughs> this is when it really started fading out a little bit earlier. What are you guys, what are you guys doing at ESPN Milwaukee? What are you guys doing at Lockdown Bucks, uh, the podcast there, uh, and where can we find you guys? Well, Eddie, uh, ESPN Milwaukee, I have something written there every week, sometimes twice a week. Um, so just check it out. You can also check me out there on Twitter at Eric underscore name, E-R-I-C underscore N-E-H-M. Uh, you can check me out there. Locked on Bucks. We talk Bucks every single day, part of the Locked on Network. Uh, so you can catch us talking about the Bucks there. And it's going to be an interesting uh, second half of the season. I know we're not quite there yet, but uh, obviously you have the all-star push for Giannis. All-star votes come out today. He's Right now he's an all-star starter, and he's – uh, I mean, he's doubling most of the guys that are also all-star starters. So it, it seems like he's going to be pretty safely uh, an all-star starter this year, which is insane for someone who hasn't been to an all-star game before and who's also 23 years old. Uh, so that's going to be exciting in the next couple months. And it, it's just going to be a wild ride with this team. In December, they had a stacked schedule and they came through at 500 and now they're a few games over and, you do kind of wonder, is something building, and especially when they beat the Thunder. Giannis gets an FI cover. Giannis hits a game winner at MSG. You kind of feel this team rolling a little bit, and you wonder uh, what they can do here in the second half. So it's going to be a fun, fun second half of Bucks basketball. And like you said, I know there's a lot of people that have been keeping up with the Badgers thus far football-wise. They've been watching the Packers, and hopefully the Packers make a long run and people don't start paying attention to the Bucks for a little while longer. But if they don't, the Bucks are there and exciting. So it's going to start picking up, and I'm excited for people to start paying more attention to them. Hey, I got I got one request, Eric. I got a lot of old friends and colleagues back at uh, uh, ESPN Milwaukee. I still believe that the press room of the new stadium needs to be named after Steve Haywood. And I know that there's some connections at the station to the Bucks. You got to help me make that happen, man. I, I'm telling you, I, when I 100% agree. I mean, when when times were dark in the city for the Bucks, there was no bigger champion for that team than Steve. And and uh, the only sad part is he won't be there uh, for them to move into the new palace. But they're, they're, they got to name that press room after him, man. I, whatever it takes, I, I'll help you. We got to we got to make that happen. I couldn't agree more. I know. Anytime I think about covering the Bucks at ESPN Milwaukee, it's just like. The shoes, I, the shoes I'm feeling. It, it's it's insane to be even mentioned in the same breath as him. So I, I 100% agree. Eric, great having you on, man. We'd love to talk with you uh, throughout the season coming up, especially with uh, obviously some big strain games and the rest of the season and, and the Bucks continuing to try to make a playoff push. Uh, we'd love to have you back on down the road, my friend. I can't wait. I hope my connection's better. Yeah, uh, it's been it's a lot better, my friend. We'll make sure we we stay connected to you uh, throughout the season. Eric Name uh, from ESPN Milwaukee, the uh, you know Locked On Bucks podcast. Make sure you check them out. Uh, and uh, on that note, guys, uh, Scott, anything else you want to break down with us uh, before we no, take it no, off? No, we, we 
we covered a lot. I mean, we, we packed a lot into that hour there. Um, you know, just again, you know, covered it at the top of the show. Happy new year to all of our listeners and, and to you and your family. And, um, it's an exciting time. I mean, Badgers are done, but Badger basketball uh, looks like they're in good shape. We'll talk more about them in the next few weeks. Hopefully a long run for the Packers. And as Eric said, man, uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are a thing and, uh, you're missing out if you're not finding a way to, to at least catch a game on TV at least once a week or get down there. I mean, there are some great ticket specials, too, that make it family-friendly and affordable, and there's really no good reason to not be going to those games. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, tomorrow you're going to be down at Legacy Pro, uh, down in uh, Serb Hall. Yeah, MVP will be there, um, former WWE and TNA superstar. Um, and I'll be fulfilling my role as uh, general manager slash uh, commentator for the DVD portion of the show, and it should be a good time. And, and tell, again, if you're listening, there's no if you like pro wrestling and you like things that are family friendly but fun and exciting, you're 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 missing out if you're not coming down to Legacy Pro. Now, I know the Bucks play tomorrow, so but come on down, man. It's a great show. And uh, I'll be there, and, and hopefully I'll see hundreds and hundreds of, of fellow wrestling fans and listeners out there as well. Awesome. Uh, you know, who knows? I may be able to try to make – I can't guarantee it, but we'll see if I can try to make it down there with the family away. Uh, maybe I can drive down. Uh, I'll see what I can do there. So You, you, uh, should, but yeah. you should, because because uh, Lane will be there and Vic Ross and a few others, uh, old friends of yours, of course, Eddie and, and whatnot. I, I think you should make it down – but you're more elusive than the Loch Ness monster, so it's it's hard. Sightings of you in this city are, are rare. So, you know, I know, I know. I need to get down there one of these days. So, uh, just big thanks to everyone uh, to, to listen to the show. Uh, we'll come back next week. Obviously, talk some Badger basketball. Well, excuse me, Badger basketball. Uh, we'll talk some NFL uh, with Packers. We'll, if the Packers lose, recap their season. Uh, if they win, uh, see where they're headed there, uh, and then. Uh, this big thanks to everyone again for making this podcast heading into what we started in 2012. We'll be heading into our fifth year coming up and it's uh, looking for great, some great things there. Uh, and like I said, we'll talk some bucks some uh, maybe some brewers and some off season there. Uh, talk Packers, NFL. Uh, we'll have so much more and uh, just quick plugs for the book. Thank you guys, by the way, uh, we're going to be heading into our second run of the book. Walk on this way. The ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition of course you can find it at kcisports.com find it at amazon find it on bookstores university bookstores name of the game bucky's locker room and then also some limited barnes and nobles get them soon because they're off the shelves until the second run comes uh and uh, you guys will be seeing me up in uh, appleton in a couple of weeks at the red smith banquet uh, we're going to have a, a former walk-on, a couple, hopefully a couple former walk-ons joining us for a Q&A session for an event, about 1,200 people. It uh, should be fun to talk there. Uh, I think uh, there's supposed to be a certain NBA Hall of Famer that I don't think I can really oh, – actually, they just announced it. Uh, Dr. J will be there. So we'll have uh, that up there. So I'll be up in northeast Wisconsin coming up soon. Uh, and uh, other than that, guys, just uh, have a wonderful week. Stay warm if you're in the Wisconsin or Midwest or most of the nation for that matter. Uh, and stay safe. Uh, and always, guys, start off the new year right. Uh, this is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter.
Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.